You are now listening to the Chad's Chatterings Podcast. I am your host, Chad Maples, and in today's episode, I will talk about how in all of our lives, a little rain must fall. You know, some rain, a few bullies, and occasional inconveniences. I'll also talk about how and why I've walked with a limp now for more than 40 years, and even though I do not consider myself to be a crooked man, I have in fact walked a crooked mile sometimes on more than one occasion. I'll also talk about dealing with these difficult situations in life and what are some of the questions that we should and should not ask during life's hardships. This is the Chad's Chatterings Podcast. Today's episode of the Chad's Chatterings Podcast. Today's episode is entitled, Accidents Happen. There was a tragic event which occurred very early in my life, and it is one that I cannot remember. However, the impact of the fatality that occurred when I was three years old is one that I cannot forget. I was in a car accident when I was three years old and suffered a compound skull fracture as a result. I have been told that The particular car that we were in had bench seats with armrests that folded down in the middle. I've also been told that at the time of the accident, I was sitting on my knees talking to the people in the back seat. The accident occurred when we reached the top of a hill and we hit someone in a head-on collision. We were on a two-lane road and the other person was on the wrong side of the road. Unfortunately, my mother, who was six months pregnant at the time, died at the scene of the accident. My brother and the other passengers received only minor injuries. I didn't have my seatbelt on, and I was taken to the hospital in critical condition with a compound skull fracture. Doctors did not expect me to live very long, and even if I did make it through, they suspected that I would be in a wheelchair for the rest of my life. The earliest memory that I have in my life is waking up in the hospital after the accident. I can vaguely recall the cartoon-like wallpaper that decorated the hospital room. I remained in the hospital for several weeks while I adjusted to the mechanics of a wheelchair, and the wheelchair would be my way of getting around until I learned how to walk again and be on my feet. Over the course of time, I would eventually learn how to walk again. However, when I learned how to walk again, it was with a limp on my right leg. It wasn't until I was around 25 years old that I met with an orthopedic surgeon to discuss the idea of some corrective surgical options. After reviewing the x-rays very carefully, the doctor informed me that both of my legs were actually the same length, but that somehow I had fractured my right hip at some point early in my life and no one knew about it. The fractured hip was never noticed or detected by anyone, and my right hip repaired itself. As a result of my right hip repairing itself, it did not line up evenly with my left hip, and the doctor explained that this is why I walked with a limp for so long and still do to this day. I must have been about six years old when I began feeling the real emotions of loss and grief. I cannot comprehend the fact that my mother, who I would never know, was taken from me at such an early stage of my life. At the age of three years old, I did not have the ability to grasp the reality 
of the grief that I was going through at the time because I was too young to experience those feelings. So I experienced them when I got a little bit older. I was around six or seven years old, and everyone in the family seemed to have recovered from the incident and moved on. They were moving on with their lives and putting the past behind them, but I found myself emotionally caught up in the past over a tragic event that my mind could not bring to remembrance. I could walk, and for that I was thankful, and however, the way that I walked drew the attention of my classmates in elementary school. The less than mature classmates made fun of the way that I walked and I call them less than mature because if someone makes fun of you, it's usually an attempt for them to hide their own insecurities about themselves. Deep down, these bullies in our lives, they struggle with self-confidence and they hide it by picking on those who they think are weak. I had no way of knowing this at such an early age in my life, but I did my best to ignore the negative comments that were sent my way. I recall that there were several occasions where I would blame God for what happened early in my life. I would say things like, out of all the children in the world, why did this happen to me? Why did you let it happen to me and, you know, not somebody else? My logic told me that there were kids out there who were mentally stronger than I was and could probably handle this hardship a lot better than I could. I struggled with the question of why for so many years. Throughout this grieving process, though, I never denied that God existed. I knew that he was all-powerful and all-knowing and everywhere, but I just had a misunderstanding of God at that particular time early time in my life. We often blame God for things that he doesn't do. Whenever we ask the question of why something happened or why it shouldn't have happened, we seldom come up with the answers that put our mind at ease. True closure for me was coming to the level of acceptance in the grieving process. When we can accept that something bad has happened, then it can help us move forward. It has been my experience that if we continue to ask the question of why, then we are consistently living in the past. It is vitally important to know that whenever we ask the question why in the midst of hardships, that we are asking the wrong question. What we should ask is what and how, as in what can I take away from this situation that is good, and how can I use this situation to help others or glorify God as a result. These two questions alone have changed my life tremendously, and I have not asked the question of why in a very, very long time. Many times the answer to the question of why something bad happened is based on the facts of the situation. For example, the reason that my accident occurred was because two teenagers were driving recklessly down a two-lane road. One of them was on the wrong side of the road, and we hit them at the top of a hill. For me, that alone is the reason why the car accident happened. There's no deep theological answer to it. Someone else made a bad choice, and as a result of their poor decision... It resulted in bad consequences. It is also important to note that while you are going through the five stages of grief, 
denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance, that you do not get hung up on the first four. The feelings of denial, anger, bargaining, and depression are not your emotional friends, and they provide very little comfort. It is completely understandable and natural for all of us to feel these emotions during a time of hardship. It is also during these moments that we often ask the question of why. It is only after we have come to accept the fact that something bad has happened that we can move away from the question of why and realize that the answer to the question of why, sometimes, most of the time, are based on the facts about the situation. In the movie Forrest Gump, you may remember Forrest and his best friend Bubba were fighting in the Vietnam War, and Bubba was critically injured. Just before Bubba died from his war-related injuries, he looked up at Forrest and he said, Why did this happen? And Forrest responded very intelligently with, You got shot. While the writers of the script have probably intended for this to be somewhat comical, it is an excellent example of looking at the facts related to difficult situations. Looking at the facts of our hardships will answer the question of why they happened. But we can only accept the fact that the hardship has occurred if we come to the level of acceptance in the grieving process. So then we get away from asking the question of why and we ask the right questions in regards to our hardships and that are those are the questions of what and how. As I grew older and matured, I came to the recognition that I was not the only person that suffered bad things in life. Many people, both good and bad, suffer tragedies and losses just about every day. The fact of the matter is that accidents happen. Bad things are going to happen throughout all of our lives and interrupt our plans from time to time. However, what we do with that and how we react makes all the difference in the world. So what can I take away from my car accident that is good? Well, for starters, the doctor's diagnosis of me not being able to walk again or being in a wheelchair for the rest of my life were completely false. And for that, I am indeed grateful. Secondly, my dad was able to remarry and he had two girls who I consider my sisters. I know that they're technically my half-sisters, but we grew up together and they're the only sisters that I have. So they might as well be called my full-blooded sisters as far as that's concerned. There are many other good things that I can talk about, but these are just a couple of examples. The next question would be to say, well, how can I use this to help other people? Over the course of time, I realized that I'd been given a second chance at life, and I decided to do two different things with that second chance. Over time, I've decided the number one thing is to fear God and keep his commandments because this is the, the whole duty of man, according to Ecclesiastes 12.13. The second thing that I've done is develop a sense of humor. I believe that this sense of humor has been developed over time and uh, as I have observed it from other family members and it's been influenced by friends and family and other family members alike. 
people like my parents and grandparents who would occasionally tell me cheesy jokes and make me laugh when I was younger. My grandfather, Willard Conchin in particular, always seemed to have some sort of joke he would tell me every time I visited with him. Uh, his daughter was the one who was killed in the car accident. But the jokes that my grandfather Conchin would tell me would, would be what we would re refer to today as your, your classic dad jokes. As a result of my grandfather Conchin and other people like him, I developed a desire to make other people laugh or wanting to make other people laugh by telling them jokes. Now, I understand that not everything in life is a joke, but I also cannot deny that humor and comedy have been very therapeutic in my life. Uh, my world was rotated at a very young age. If you listen to my first episode, I talked about being rotated and balanced. And so my, my world was rotated and turned on its side at a very early age, and by coming to know God through the scriptures and having a sense of humor, I've developed some kind of balance to help stabilize my mental frame of mind during life. I am still convinced to this day that it was comedy that initially saved my life. Let me explain. After my accident, I was in a coma for three days. Now, the medical staff at any hospital will tell you that when someone is in a coma, their subconscious mind is still at work. And so it is encouraged for family members to talk to the person who is in a coma, so maybe that they will hear something or something will spark their interest, or but their subconscious mind is still at work, even though they may not physically be able to respond. So there I was, lying on the hospital bed and unconscious and motionless, no sign of life until day three. My dad was in the room with me and he and I were the only ones in the room and he remembered an inside joke that my brother and I enjoyed telling each other. And he leaned up to my ear when I was in a coma and he said, Chad, did you poot? What happened next? has <laughs> got to be a breakthrough in the medical community. He said that what happened was that I started to smile as if I was trying not to laugh. It was the first sign of life that they had seen since I went into a coma. My dad called the medical staff in immediately and they asked what happened. My dad said he smiled at me. And they said, well, what did you say to him? My dad said, well, I can't tell you that. I am told that they worked on me for about 45 minutes and then I eventually came out of a coma. Now, I tell this story to my friends and all of you listening today in the event that I should go into a coma sometime in the future so that you'll know how to pull me back out. One of the lessons that I have learned over time due to hardships is that the real handicaps in life are the ones that we put on ourselves. For example, in December of 2005, I moved to the small town of Norwich, Kansas, to take on a small town preaching job. The population of Norwich was about 500 people at the time, and the town was approximately one mile squared. Yes, you heard that correctly, one mile squared. I measured it, yeah, that's accurate. In an effort to supplement my preaching income, I began working in the office at 
a ductile iron foundry that was located there in town. Shortly after being hired on, I was given a tour of the plant and it didn't take me long to realize that the people that worked in the foundry are by far some of the hardest workers that I've ever seen. They pour hot iron into metal castings and work in a dark and dingy environment. It looked like an episode of Dirty Jobs that you would see on TV. The temperature in the foundry would usually be around 120 degrees and sometimes even hotter than that in the summertime. I remember attending a productivity meeting that was held in the foundry break room and what I saw during that meeting was truly amazing. As I was waiting in the break room, I heard the whistle blow indicating the end of the day shift. Then one by one, the foundry workers came in to the meeting and they were hot and sweaty and had black dust all over them. But there was one thing I noticed about three or four of these foundry workers. And that was three or four of these foundry workers walked with a limp. All of a sudden, I heard myself repeating every single excuse that I had made in my life. I had told myself for many years that I couldn't do certain things because I walked with a limp. And yet, here I was in a productivity meeting with three or four people who walked with a limp and did hard manual labor every day. The real handicaps that we have in life are the ones that we place on ourselves. You are only the underdog in the game of life if you truly believe it. You are only a minority if you accept that as a fact. You are in control of your life and the direction that you take. It is better to attempt to accomplish a goal than not to try it at all. If you do not make an effort to accomplish something, you may live with regret wondering if it could have ever been done. I was once amused by a conversation that I heard in a fast food restaurant. The conversation took place between the guy in the kitchen making the burgers and the guy up front running the cash register. The guy in the kitchen said, man, I'd really like to have your job. You like you run the cash register and get to talk to people. I'm not really sure where that young man is today, but if his top priority in life was to run the front counter of a fast food joint, I'm pretty sure he's probably accomplished that goal by now. So what are some goals and accomplishments you want to make in your life? It's really easy to put limitations on ourselves and say it's too late or I'm not old enough or I'm too old, but really the only handicaps and the only restrictions we have are the ones that we put on ourselves. Accidents are going to happen throughout our lives. Some of these accidents will be self-inflicted and others will be as a result of other people's poor choices. The wonderful thing about life is that we voluntarily choose how to react to those different situations. Reacting in a negative and impulsive way comes naturally and hardly requires any thought. However, reacting in a positive manner takes time and patience. This concludes today's episode of Chad's Chatterings. Thank you once again for tuning in. and Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you will know when new episodes are available. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time.